Welcome back to In Search of Tarot, a podcast that examines, questions, and reimagines our approach to life and the cards. Through guest interviews and in-depth discussions, we'll explore and expand the beautiful complexities of spirituality, philosophy, magic, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Angie. And we're your hosts for this fascinating ride. Thanks for being here with us. Our guest today is Jeff Hinshaw. Jeff, he, they, is an intuitive practitioner fusing together over a decade of experience working with tarot, astrology, and somatic healing. Jeff is the host of the podcast Cosmic Cousins and the founder of the Brooklyn Fools Tarot Journey, a 22-week ritual gathering through the major arcana of the tarot. Dubbed as a radical tarot school by National Geographic, the Brooklyn Fools Tarot Journey has been an active tarot community since 2014. Jeff's teachings of the tarot go hand in hand with their astrological practice. Jeff is also passionate about upgrading archetypes to facilitate collective intention. They have achieved this through their community projects like Zodiac Queens, as well as authoring the book Aries, published through Sterling Publishing House. In addition, Jeff identifies as gay, non-binary, and queer, and has experience working with many LGBTQIA related issues. Jeff is located in the Pacific Northwest, the traditional village sites of the Multnomah, Wasco, and Cowlitz tribes. Before we launch into this wonderful conversation with Jeff, I just want to extend one final invitation for you to join me for Winter Solstice Tarot Study, which begins tonight, December 1st, and runs for five Thursdays through December 29th. Over the course of this month, we're going to be spending the darkening days of the year in deep conversation and contemplation with the tarot. Each week, we'll gather on Zoom to explore different themes anchored by supplemental reading that'll be delivered to you in the form of free PDFs and communal conversation. You will have access to a private Slack group where discussions can continue outside of weekly sessions. All Zoom meetings will be recorded if you're not able to join live. BIPOC and members of the LGBTQIA community are welcome to use code TRANSCEND for 15% off. And our Patreon members who support this show and make it possible for us to pay all of our incredible guests like Jeff receive 10% off. It's been a long time since I felt this excited about an offering. So if you're feeling called to join Winter Solstice Tarot Study, I hope you'll do so. I'm going to drop the link in the show notes and I hope to spend this December with you. All right, on to today's conversation. Enjoy. Jeff, welcome to In Search of Tarot. It is truly, truly an honor to have you here with me tonight. Yay, thanks for having me. You know, I kind of told you this before we hit record, but you were one of the first people I found when I started to go down a tarot path. Um, and I've listened to your podcast forever um, and loved it all along the way. And uh, yeah, you've just, you've been a huge part of my journey. So it's really, really special to to get to talk to you. Of knowing that and hearing that, I'm feeling our Aquarius connection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your Aquarius moon. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to like dive into some of that with you um, tonight. But um, something that I've been starting with this season with all of my guests has been asking people to kind of help orient um all those who are listening to mm. you know where you're at in your life by sort of describing literally where you are in the world and who you are in this present moment yeah 
I work with clients and students one-on-one using tools like astrology and tarot. And it usually comes through a somatic approach, a trauma-informed approach for somatic healing um, and spiritual healing too. And coming back to the body, working with the body um, through trauma-informed approaches is really important for me because it's been part of my healing journey of ways that I have found that I need support. Uh, So, but yeah, I work with people one-on-one right now, which has helping reorient me to this present moment because there have been times in my life where I've done more group work, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seems that the work is, is more one-on-one for me right now uh, through mentorships and yeah. And I'm located in the Pacific Northwest, but I've lived in many different places I've lived in New York City and LA, and um, now I'm in Portland, but I'm from Virginia and North Carolina originally. Okay. Uh, And and some of that, what I think is, you know, for me, the way that I would describe it is a bit of queer displacement of trying to find home uh, because where I'm born, uh, it doesn't feel supportive for me to to live there. Um, So, yeah, that that's a little bit of of me and where I'm at in the present moment. And thanks for asking. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I'm curious for you with somatic work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious how you hold space for people who need to maybe sometimes get deeper in touch with their body and with where the trauma, you know, resides and is held in the body, but also sometimes people that that can be overwhelming for people, you know, and, um, that sometimes maybe we need to find ways to express it outside of ourselves so that we don't feel overwhelmed, you know, internally. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you find that in your practice? Yeah, I think one is, is getting to know the person that you're working with and building trust with that person. And so at the most basic level, a trauma informed approach is it, it shows ways of supporting people that recognize specific needs that they need as a result of of past trauma or ongoing trauma that they're experiencing. And so it's going to be different for everyone. Um, And really cultivating that sense of trust with the person that you're working with. And so some of it is intuitive. Like uh, the first time that I meet with someone, uh, you can kind of have this relationship of awareness of the body already to see how deep the person is, is ready to go. Um, And that's where astrology and tarot comes in too, because sometimes we need more of an objective perspective uh, to our situation. And astrology gives us that. It gives us this ability to look at past cycles, maybe things that we've encountered in the past to process them and to, to give opportunity for dialogue that might not be there typically. Um, so astrology actually really does give us this language of connecting um, that might not feel as personal. It connects us to other people. We can see how we might be moving through certain energies with others as well. So um, yeah, I always start with the breath. This is a great place to start and just awareness of the body. And so as an example, each astrological sign is connected to a different part of the body. And so I may just even ask you as a Libra, uh, what does it feel like to place your hands on your lower back? Mm-hmm. 
It's funny. I've heard mm -hmm. you say that before, and I actually deal with a lot of lower back pain often. Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk about that before. And so that's interesting. That that just opens up a doorway for us to start connecting. That takes us out of the intellectual and, and connects us to the body. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of times, whether we're part of the queer community or not, but I sitting with you, I feel like I'm focusing more on the queer community here, mm -hmm. um, is that sometimes we leave our bodies. It's not safe to be in our body. And so particularly in the queer community, we may resort towards over-intellectualizing. Um, and so even just that simple question of asking you, what does it feel like to place your hands on your lower back? This allows us to come back into the body and let us know that it's safe for us to be in a body and to be here on this planet um, where our nervous systems might not fully believe that. And even when I asked you that question, I shared a memory of that. But I, I'd be curious if you would feel open to sharing what it feels like to place your hands on your lower back. Yeah, I would. Um, it feels tender is a word that's coming up. And it feels vulnerable. And it's funny because I feel it feels nice too. And it, it feels nice because I feel like the low back is a lesser touched area of the body at, just in our day-to-day -day life, you know? So it almost feels like a remembrance, you know, like it feels like, oh yes, I have a lower back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That word tender really resonates with me too, with the lower back. And I find it quite fascinating for us to, to think of Libran energy as being tender, you know, and just even like when you place your hand on another person's lower back, the intimacy of that and how Libra is a very intimate sign of connecting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And already this is just reminding us that we do have a lower back. Like you were saying, oh, well, this is an area maybe that I don't touch as much or like think about as much. Um, and, you know, for someone that's experiencing low back pain, they are being invited to, to drop into tenderness and to maybe even feel the support of another. Uh, I mean, it's going to be different for everyone and everyone's going to have a different relationship to the lower back, but already this has allowed us to drop in and anchor. And so this is one of the ways for me, like as a somatic practitioner with astrology and tarot that I'm always bringing it back to the body so that it's not just an intellectual practice or even a spiritual practice that's bypassing the realities of this world that we live in. And so when we connect to the body, we're also connecting to the earth. We're also connecting to the realities of things that are taking place at this moment in time too. It's just a, it's an entry point, a daily practice really. Yeah. Did you uh, begin to study astrology or tarot first? Tarot came first, but I was always interested in um, birthdays, like as a kid, like I remember memories coming to me now I had a substitute teacher in elementary school and they didn't know what to do with us for like the last 30 minutes of class or whatever. So we did like a little, um, like, like a sharing circle where we could all share like our skills and hidden talents and stuff. And mine was that I could name everyone's birthday in the entire grade in order from like January 1st to December 31st. So I've always just kind of had like an interest in birthdays, but that's not necessarily astrology, but like I had the birthday book, like from a really young age. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just fascinated by the personality and psychology of each individual based off the day that they were born. And so that would essentially be like sun sign astrology. Mm 
and then tarot was around like 14 or 15 i got my hands on a tarot deck um, because i was um, dating a twin and mm. he said that i should meet his mom who was a tarot reader and she gave me a tarot reading and you know i bought my first tarot deck and i kept it in the basement away from my christian parents and mm -hmm. you know just read everything that i could on it yeah so i they both i've always kind of both been interested in both of them yeah they didn't really fully like become alive for me until i started a body-based practice like my connection to yoga actually is what allowed me to fully start to understand these practices mm, speak about that yeah so i i was a very sensitive kid you know from a very young age i was sensitive to to things like death mm. i remember like the passing of pets or like family members i was very sensitive to that very sensitive to other people's emotions and i had heightened dreams you know the ability to know when someone was wasn't telling the truth mm. and you know if someone was keeping something hidden and i used to talk to spirits and guides when i was a kid and so I had a lot of extreme anxiety and health issues because I incarnated in a family that was not resourced to fully understand or nurture my gifts. And so a lot of my gifts were controlled through medication or a lot of my gifts were kind of condemned out of me or disciplined out of me. And many of these gifts also intersect with my queerness and my gayness too, I think. And I think maybe many queer people would relate to this. Like I learned from a very young age that in order to survive, I had to kind of hide my gifts. And I learned to be observant and kind of pay attention to like subtle cues, like people's body language and, and in order to avoid being punished or ridiculed or bullied. And so I would store like these em very emotional sides of myself and intuitive sides of myself in my body, mm -hmm. which later led to debilitating stomach pain. I had most of my childhood and into my 20s um things like scoliosis uh like nervous tics like thumb to pointer thumb to middle finger thumb to ring finger thumb to pinky and like just going back and forth you know like picking my hair like little like anxious things that i did because i was storing my my true nature my um queerness my intuitive nature in my body and it wasn't until i was able to leave home that I slowly found myself on a journey of, of holistic healing, finding ways to, to nurture my gifts and to also to be okay to be in my body and how much emotions and gifts I had stored in my body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we're having pain somewhere in our body, we're like holding on to things. And so the relationship to the body, the mind and the spirit is like just unlocked for me once I was able to leave home. And especially then when I moved to New York, it was like the floodgates opened for me. So I'm in the very beginning of my astrology journey of learning astrology. Mm -hmm. um, and I have found it very, very personal um, in a way that tarot has not honestly felt. Um, it has, astrology feels to me, at least right now, um, very spiritual. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, mm. I think it's because part of it, I think, is because you don't have 
the artwork in front of you, um, which is a wonderful mm. part of tarot, obviously. But with astrology, I feel like it's really my imagination more, you know, and a lot more time just kind of meditating and contemplating and feeling into, you know, the planets or the houses or whatever it is that I'm, you know, studying. Um yeah, and it, and it's also felt really wonderful to be a beginner in that space. Um, you know, to not have the baggage of tarot, um, you know, the way I learned tarot, the systems of tarot, you know, but to really be completely brand new hmm. um has been honestly such a gift. Um but I, I wondered if for you, like what learning astrology was like, um, you know, if it felt personal in that way for you or just how how you developed your relationship with astrology. Yeah, I found it interesting that you said it was personal and then also spiritual. Could you explain that a little bit more? I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's I think that I have been in a place where I've been craving a deeper sense of spirituality for the last couple of years. And I think because astrology is so personal as far as studying your own chart, um, it's felt like it's helped me unlock aspects of myself that have made me feel closer to myself, I guess, which, which to me feels spiritual, um, mm -hmm. you know, getting, getting to know myself and, understanding aspects of myself particularly aspects that maybe are more challenging um mm -hmm. you know we were talking offline a little bit about um my virgo placement and mm -hmm. or, you know my venus and virgo and yeah. that's why i mentioned that because that is that's that's a challenging placement for me mm -hmm. um but as i've been kind of leaning into it and getting to know it it's actually it made a lot of sense and and i found a lot of healing in getting to know that part of myself um yeah. and, and the same with pluto right now i actually am in a huge uh kind of devotional moment with pluto and and it's really unlocking a lot of stuff for me as well i'm, I'm really loving that um but yeah i guess that's kind of what i what i mean when i say personal and spiritual yeah it's it's cool to hear the way that you are it you're really just now getting into your astrology practice, which is exciting. And something that I think astrology, the way astrology and tarot might differ, and maybe this isn't true too. I would be interested to create dialogue around it, but astrology is never ending. Mm. It actually never ends. Like tarot, there's 78 cards, there's 22 major, and there's this sort of structure to it astrology yes you you have your birth chart and so that's actually never changing uh unless you look at progressed astrology or um relocated astrology based off of you know you were just sharing that you're in a, a new place right now and learning about yourself in a new way and so you could cast your chart for whatever city you're in um but to answer your question um my relationship to astrology has it's it is very intimate it's like mm -hmm. i I'll spend like an entire 90 minutes with a planet in my chart and a yoga practice. Like I'll dedicate like a certain uh, portion of my day to exploring these energies. Um, and so it's, it's very expansive. I don't remember what your question was, but I'm just kind of flowing with, with what yeah. was popping in my mind. 
yeah. I was curious, I was curious if when you were starting to learn, mm. um, if it felt really personal, because I, I could imagine another way that astrology could feel when you're learning it, which it could feel a little overwhelming, honestly, because there's a lot of aspects, no pun intended to it, you know, yeah. and, and so <laughs> I could see how, um, it could be, you could be very obsessed with kind of learning all the pieces of it. But for me, like, that's the other piece of it for me. I've really not minded how slow the process of learning it has been. Like I've, I've mm. not felt, and that was very different because when I learned tarot, I was, you know, voraciously taking in the information, mm. you know, but astrology, I actually haven't really even wanted to, to have a lot of outside opinions. Like I really have, it's mm -hmm. been, it's just been very, very personal. Uh, and I, I wondered how that was for you. Now I understand this word personal that you're using. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly how it was for me. And it in many ways still is mm -hmm. um, that it, in some ways it's very intuitive to me that I don't do a lot of like reading of other people's interpretations of astrology because I, it, it feels so personal mm -hmm. um, that you could look at the glyph for any of the astrological signs and sit with that glyph, that symbol, and allow it to unlock your intuition. It's similar to tarot, too, where, yes, we have these traditional terms uh, or traditional keywords for each of the cards, but what does the image bring up for you when you meditate on it? Mm -hmm. Or what does you know, the number three and the element fire with wands bring up for you when you meditate on it. And how does that intersect with the image? And how does that reflect something back to you? They're both very personal practices, but I always love connecting to other people and hearing their perspective on it. And together we can really claim that there is no right or wrong interpretation of any astrological energy or tarot card. And that this kind of always been my practice when I was leading the fool's journey, the Brooklyn fools. Um, it, it was birthed out of this desire to connect to other people in the community and to, to hear what they thought of each of the cards. So if we were gathering around the energy of the emperor, we would each bring an altar item to the emperor and there were no rules is whatever you want to bring to the emperor, whatever it's bringing up to you. And then through our collective ritual of everyone putting an item out to the emperor, we start to form a collective intention around what the emperor represents for all of us. There is no right or wrong answer to that. One person might look at the emperor and it reminds them of a parent. Another person might look at the emperor and it reminds them that they want to purchase a car this year. You know, it's like, it can be kind of random, but it, there is no right or wrong to it. And so there is no hierarchy on these archetypes. And I'm always wanting to dismantle that through compassionate conversation and listening. A lot of it's listening, mm -hmm. listening to your own intuition and listening to other people. Yeah, I'm definitely right there with you on everything you just said. I, I love all of that. Um I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the, the word archetypes and on your website, in your bio, I was reading, you mentioned that you have a passion for upgrading archetypes. Um, and you, you did your, you do, you do your series where you, you know, pick a different person with the, the season, you know, whatever astrological season we're in, you talk about the archetype and that's something I've loved in your work. But what does that mean to you when you say upgrading archetypes? What does that mean? Well, 
I probably need to upgrade my website too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, it's kind of ironic. Um, upgrading <laughs> archetypes is a process of community collaboration and dialogue um, in which many individuals gather through some sort of collective intention to name and voice the ways in which an archetype is naturally unfolding and evolving through our collective consciousness. So there is this sense of um, we we see an example of this could be like a tarot deck that I love right now that's coming to mind, which is the fifth spirit tarot. Mm -hmm. by non-binary artist Charlie Claire Burgess mm -hmm. um, and they're upgrading archetypes and it's actually they're an Aquarius Aquarians you're usually doing this kind of work so you might resonate with this as someone with a moon in Aquarius yes is, is wanting to push um, forward but not, it's not aggressive it's more through collaboration with other people and having conversations and listening to each other in a way that creates a container for more voices to be heard, representation for all people. I'm interested in that. I think saying saying that you're upgrading archetypes, when I hear that and knowing that's in my bio, I kind of want to tweak it a little bit. I'm not sure how yet. But yeah, it's cool to be in this time where we have the internet because now we're able to hear even more people. And everyone's making a tarot deck now you know it's yeah. like we yeah. all have the ability to i mean yeah i'm even like oh can i make a tarot deck now there's this ai where you can make your own art mm -hmm. not, like i don't necessarily make i am an artist but not in that sort of way but now i've been playing around with ai i also have some like moral dilemmas around it too because i don't want to take jobs from artists but it literally i've made four pages like the page of each of the four suits and I'm like this is would be a gorgeous tarot deck I never thought I'd have the ability to but it it is interesting that we live in this time where we get to we're all creating and so uh, these archetypes are evolving exponentially to reflect our collective consciousness and how we're evolving if you enjoy hearing conversations like this one, please consider supporting In Search of Tarot by becoming a member of our Patreon community. There you'll receive weekly mystic missives discussing any number of philosophical, tarological concepts, along with discounts to upcoming classes and workshops, and invitations to attend our monthly tarot hangs on Zoom. The financial support we receive through Patreon is the only way that we're able to pay our incredible guests who join us week after week to share their knowledge and life stories with all of you. We are so appreciative of our existing patrons' generous support, and we invite you to join them at patreon.com slash insearchoftarot. Let's talk about... Um queerness in relation to all of this because that's something I definitely wanted to hear from you about mm -hmm. um and I had mentioned to you that in studying astrology something that I felt torn about is if I like feeling like there are certain placements mm -hmm. you know that that contain queerness in the chart mm -hmm. certain planets certain houses yeah. certain signs or if I like to think of the entire chart as containing queerness, you yeah. know, I, I feel very pulled in both directions. So talk about how you yeah. approach that. Yeah, I appreciate this question and also this like um, reflection back on queerness, because I think 
when you brought up queerness and astrology, I had communicated that uh, Black Moon Lilith, Eris, and Pallas were planets, planetoids, asteroids that I connect to queerness. And as a queer practitioner, queerness and astrology is something that I'm always interested in. And I'm always I'm meditating on and communicating about and teaching about it through a queer lens. Even if I'm not necessarily even using the word queer, I'm always conscious of like when we're talking about Mars, like I'm I'm not saying the divine masculine, which like maybe past astrologers might say that for Mars. I'm finding ways to communicate about Mars in ways that aren't bringing gender into play. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that Mars is a queer placement in our chart. Um, although we can talk about Mars in a queer way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even before astrology and tarot, when I was studying psychology in college, I always pushed it back against the gender binary with my professors. Like it's always, it's always brought me frustration, even like studying the tarot, you know, it's like the lover's card and how binary the tarot can be at times. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I've always had the intuitive ability to even kind of like rise above these perpetuated old modes of existence and just appreciate and understand the value of duality on any spectrum. I guess to answer the question is, I love this concept of of the whole chart containing queerness. And I that almost feels like your teaching, like that feels like something that you would be teaching us, <laughs> uh, which I think is great. And as an example, Saturn, the planet Saturn, we could talk through through a queer lens, but I don't think Saturn necessarily speaks to queer themes. And so what I mean by that is Saturn speaks to the aging of the body, speaks to parenthood, responsibility. And so we can talk about these themes through a queer lens of what does it mean to be a queer person that might become a parent? Or what does it mean for a queer person to be aging? And what's the queer relationship to the body? But when we speak about something like a placement like Black Moon Lilith, Black Moon Lilith rules over sexuality. Black Moon Lilith rules over deeper emotions like rage and fear and grief from being maybe repressed. Black Moon Lilith is connected to sexually transmitted diseases, to reproductive rights, to abortion, to sexual assault, emotional abuse. You know, Lilith's themes speak to queerness mm-hmm. on a deeper level without us even queering Lilith. Right. Does that make sense? So people with Lilith prominently placed in their chart will often have some connection to queerness in their purpose but i do think inherently every planet is queer and has that potential to talk about it through a queer lens Did that makes right. sense yeah absolutely yeah and i you know obviously i want all queer people to find whatever way makes them feel seen and validated you know what i mean like i it's like not about the right or the wrong way to do it it's i think for me like something that I think about a lot is when we queer something, we are sort of saying that there's a, there's a norm that we're veering away from, you know, that that's sort of what it means to like queer, you know, something. And sometimes I feel frustrated by that um, because my life as a queer person, it, that is the norm, you know, like that, like 
that is, and even though I live in a society that pushes back against that and makes me feel abnormal, at the end of the day, if I'm just living my life, that's my norm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about, like, when I'm in astrology class and we start to talk about, you know, queer placements, sometimes I, I just feel like, well, are there straight placements, <laughs> you know, like, um, or is it that the non-queer placements are, you know, assumed to be straight because that's just the, the norm. And so what right. would it be, what would it be like to establish queerness as the norm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there are straight placements in our chart. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, you have Lilith conjunct your north node of fate which is like super powerful in your 10th house of public appearance i should ask for consent to talk about your chart before i just start talking about yeah, it yeah yeah go for it yeah but i mean i feel a lot of what you're saying in that that there you know the north node of fate is this place of evolution in our chart and you have the north node in taurus one degree from black moon lilith I mean, there's so many different ways that we could connect to Taurus, and I don't want to tell you what it means, but maybe a shared vocabulary that we have is that Taurus and the tarot is the Hierophant. And so then Lilith being there, yes, we could see Lilith brings in an extra oomph of queerness to that Hierophant than maybe if it was Saturn next to the North Node. It might bring in a little bit more of the hard edges of the higher font and the following of the rules, whereas Lilith wants to break the rules. Um, and so I think inherently Lilith has this queer rebellion associated with it. And um, this being in your 10th house of public appearance is what we could call public appearance. You could call it like your higher mission, even the ways that you're perceived and put yourself out into the world. Uh, Taurus could also be the empress in the tarot. It has this Venusian side to it too. Mm -hmm. But there's something about queer embodiment in your chart. When I look, when I look at it, I'd be curious how that resonates with you. I mean, I feel it from you, but I'd also love to hear what it brings up for you if it resonates. And also like if you still feel like pushing back against this concept of like Lilith being a placement that represents queerness. Don't personally love to use the um like assigned uh, correlation. So like, I don't really think of necessarily Hierophant with Taurus mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. off the bat, you know, yeah, not, yeah. Just, not that it can't be, but yeah. But I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I will say with my Venus and Virgo and that like embodiment piece, I do think that there's a lot of me that needs to be embodied that I don't even realize is the case because I was a dancer. Mm. Um you know, and I was thinking about this actually, John, Jonathan Coe, who's my teacher in astrology, um, brought this up to me in a reading that the way that I process a lot of my emotions is through my body. Um, and, and also that that's where I place discipline into my body. Um, that, that, you know, the Virgo sense of like organization and, um, sort of, uh, hyper attention to detail is not something that I feel connected to normally. But when I put that into my body, I absolutely feel that because I was a ballet dancer, which is super detail oriented, you know, mm -hmm. and I loved that, you know, day in and day out practice and perfecting the craft with my body. Mm -hmm. um, 
So when I think of it in that way, that's probably when I feel the most embodied. And also whenever I do ritual work that is using the body, I always end up finishing it and thinking, why don't I do that more? <laughs> you know, like that mm -hmm. felt, that felt amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think my, my airy, you know, airy moon and my airy sun kind of sometimes get me really pulled out of my body. Um, and I do think it would be interesting to sink more into that, like with Lilith um, and to, and to actually, you know, it feels in a way it's funny because I was a dancer, but it feels strange to think that my life is driven through my body. I, I don't know why I feel like that's weird because my life has literally been driven through my body, but it, it, I don't feel super like in touch with that, to be honest. You said you're, Aries, Sun, and Moon, but you like Airy? Airy, yeah. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I was like, wait, you're an Aries, Sun, Moon. Yeah, oh, I yeah. screwed this whole thing. Up. No, okay. no. <laughs> but Airy, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, you are moving through your your nodal return right now, which happens every eighteen years, eighteen and a half years. So age eighteen, age thirty six, around those times, there's a shift of consciousness around here, and so you know literally like this week is your note of return and hanging out with Lilith too. So there's some sort of shift around this. And I think it's kind of magical that you're learning about Lilith right now at this moment in time. Um, and I like that you intuitively went to Venus because Taurus is ruled by Venus and you went to the Venus and Virgo placement in your chart. Are there any um, source resources or anything that you would recommend for me or for anyone that wants to learn more about Lilith? Oh, about Lilith. Um, well, I released a workshop download on Lilith that observes Lilith through queerness. Um, I don't really know of any other astrologers that have done that, but I learned some of what I know about Lilith through Demetra George mm -hmm. that has released information on asteroids and Lilith. But as far as like resources, the biggest resource that I can offer would be um, to listen to my podcast. Mm -hmm. it, it's a free resource that's released on each new and full moon. Um, and it's a great place to begin. And it's not just me. I also interview other astrologers and spiritual practitioners, tarot readers, and creatives. So it will also introduce you to even more resources for astrology and tarot. That is a an excellent resource. I can, I second that. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, now I want to turn it back to you a little bit. Um, and, you know, you can go as deep or not deep as you want to go with this, but I'm wondering for you in your chart, um, where, where are the tender places for you in your chart? Lilith is very tender in my chart. Yeah. Um, I have black moon Lilith and cancer, um, in my sixth house of work and health. That's a tender place for me. Um, and speaks so much to things that I'm processing emotionally around my family, my home. And right now, Black Moon Lilith is in Cancer as we're recording this. So I'm having my Lilith return this year, mm. which takes place every nine years. Lilith, Lilith stays in an astrological sign for about nine months, which is, um, I could say, the human gestation period. Mm -hmm. um so when we have our Lilith return actually I've noted and the reason why in my own practice I connect Lilith to queer themes is because I've studied a lot of um 
you know, activists and other figures charts and noticed these patterns of Lilith being prominently placed in a chart. And so for you having Lilith up in your 10th house, we see your queerness. That's how I would interpret that as an astrologer. And a person that's coming to mind right now is Audre Lorde, who also had Lilith in the 10th house. And you actually share things in common. Sometimes when I look at someone's chart, I think of another person and Audre Lorde was Aquarius with Libra rising with Lilith in the 10th house. Mm. And when I'm looking at your chart, I'm feeling similar resonance to their work, you know, so that would give an example of maybe why I attribute Lilith to queerness mm -hmm. because I like to look at LGBTQ activist charts and, and note, these certain placements. I'm like, what do they have in common? What do their charts have in common? And maybe at some point I can write all this information in my head down so it can be in a book or something. Uh, but I haven't seen other astrologers necessarily focusing on that. And if there are other astrologers out there who are doing that, I'd be really interested in connecting with them. Yeah. Please write, please write that book. That would be incredible. Um, and also what an honor to share that with Audre Lord. I mean, yeah. And, and that's interesting too, because I have been thinking a lot about um, anger and power this mm. year. And mm. so I love Audre Lorde's essay about the power of anger, the eroticism of anger and erotic oh. power of anger. And um, mm -hmm. so now, now I'm going to go read that oh, yeah. again and sit with that. You're a Libra sun, they're a Libra rising. Right. They're an, they're an Aquarius sun. You're an Aquarius moon. And then they're a Taurus moon and you have Black Moon Lilith and Taurus. Like there's just a lot of, Mm. connections but yeah Lilith is connected to power and also anger and rage like these deep emotions Lilith also rules over too and Lilith doesn't have to just be queer Lilith is also connects us to you know I often say it's the witch witchiness in our chart too mm-hmm yeah. Well, I, are, I appreciate yeah. this like private tarot, I mean, private yeah. astrology reading. Um, I want to, I would touch a little bit about um, your book on Aries, which is, it's interesting because you mentioned Mars and the emperor. Um, and then you wrote this book on Aries. And I was wondering mm. if that was um, a sign that you connect with, or if you were just sort of approached to write this or what the connection was there with Aries and um, and also I'm wondering what you learned through the process of writing that book about Aries and, and sort of how you feel about Aries today. I was approached to write it and okay. I said, yes. And what was interesting, it was part of a collection where, um, there were 12 astrologers that one wrote a book for each sign. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it was cool to be a part of a community collaboration, but I believe I was the only person that was not the actual sign of the book that they were writing. Mm. I would have loved to have written the Aquarius book. I would have had a lot of things to say. Um, but I also, I do have Mars and Aries in my chart. And if you follow progressed astrology at all, right now I'm an Aries sun, Aries rising. So progressed astrology is a whole nother philosophy. Mm -hmm. And it, it, correlates to you know I was born in Aquarius season I'm 35 years old 35 days after I was born the sun was in Aries and the moon was in Sagittarius so those 35 days correlate to the 35 years in your lifetime so it's this micro to macro mm -hmm. uh, spirals 
Um, and so I kind of noted that too, like I was, the sun was shifting into Aries in my progressed chart as I'm writing this book on Aries. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a few years ago now. And it was really intense because it, it wasn't really my idea. It was, it was a project that was paying me, right. you know, and, but I learned, I felt like it was a nice way to get my foot in the door into publishing and to, you know, put my work out there in a way, but it wasn't necessarily my own vision of, of what I would want to create. So, Which is kind of, kind of ironic for Aries, right? Not, not yeah. quite, not quite Aries intention. Yeah. So I won't do that again. Mm. And I'm trying, I'm still in this moment in time. The reason why I haven't written books, even though I know I have tons of books inside of me is I'm still working out how to afford my life as a full-time mystic. Yeah. And to be honest, working with publishing houses, it doesn't really pay that much money. What advice would you give to maybe younger you might be a good way to approach it? Um, you know, the you who is just starting out, uh, just starting to sort of learn about astrology, just starting to learn about tarot, just starting to, you know, maybe learn about your queerness or experience your queerness or get to know it. What's, what's, what's a piece of advice that you would give to young Jeff? Be gentle and don't lose the joy and keep following what brings you joy and the practices. And, you know, um, I probably give my younger self a hug, mm -hmm. <laughs> but honestly, like I would, sometimes I think about this, I, I'm more curious what advice my younger self would give to my older self. Mm -hmm. I kind of think back to that person that, you know, came out when they were 14, just like, didn't give a shit about anything, what anyone thought. And just like, you know, moved to New York with no money, like lived on a couch for four months with four other people in the apartment. Like, just like, I don't, I don't know who that person, who is she, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'd be curious what advice they would give to me at this moment in time. Would you take a second and maybe listen in for that? What do you think they, yeah. would, they would say? It comes back to, it feels the same, actually, this, this sense of joy and play and coming back to these, what, what essentially, what initially gave me joy in practicing astrology and tarot. I think is important and um you had asked me that question like what am i in search of yeah right now in my life and that's actually what came through too was just greater joy um and and beauty uh, like right now i'm i'm really inspired i have i've been investing in artists that i really like that are in the queer community and just having them up in my home brings me a sense of joy and beauty into my life um, which is is really cool so a greater sense of belonging and community and so as we're approaching the holidays um, I any queer mystics that I know that live in the same city as me I'm opening up my doors to them you know mm. and and cultivating a greater sense of belonging and family in the queer community um, also brings me joy too I think because I was searching for answers, I guess. I mean, it, and it's funny because I've ended up calling so many things that I've made in search of tarot. It's just continued to feel right. Um, 
I mean, I do like to ask questions. I do like to um, search, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think it just feels right to 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 think of it in that way um, because tarot sometimes can feel like a place that we do go to to get answers, you know, um, or to interpret or to understand. Mm -hmm. um, but I I really like a version of tarot that's about like searching and not necessarily arriving, but continuing mm. to continuing to open up, you know, continuing to to go down the the journey, you mm -hmm. know. Is there a tarot card that you connect to that? One popped up in my mind. So that's kind of why I'm asking. Yeah, maybe tell I'll, me. Maybe I'll just share that one and see. But the eight of cups came to mind. Mm -hmm. I think of the person that's maybe going deeper into a cave in search of something. Mm-hmm. I also thought of um, three of wands popped into my mind. That always feels like like the beginning of something to me, mm -hmm. you know, and it feels out outward, like eight of cups maybe feels like it's pulling into an inward place. Mm -hmm. And three of wands feels maybe like it's going, you know, out. Mm -hmm. um, and I always like associate. So this could be an example of how I like merge astrology or weave astrology and like when I th when I think of three of wands I think of Sagittarian energy mm -hmm. and so that's a launching pad for me if pulling the three of wands with another person that we can talk about Sagittarius depending on if they lean more astrology or more tarot mm -hmm. you know it, it can find a, a, a shared vocabulary there mm -hmm. whereas eight of cups I would think of more with Scorpio or Pisces well, thank you for this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to let you tell everybody how they can find you, how they can listen to your podcast for sure. Um, but also if you have any offerings right now that that you want to talk about or really just anything you want to share so that people can discover you and work with you. I'm back on social media. Hey, <laughs> it's like, yay and no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I'm posting again. Um, I took a break for like almost like a year. That's amazing. It was just a lot. It's a lot. But um, I feel like my cup's full again. And I think that that is like something important for all of us to just remember. It's a gentle reminder to myself if, if we need breaks, we can take them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. I'm on there, uh, cosmic.cousins, but I also have Brooklyn Tarot. I haven't posted on that one in a while. And my podcast is called Cosmic Cousins, so you can find it on pretty much any. You could just Google it and type it in the search engine, and it's cosmiccousins.com. That's how you can find me. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I I just want you to know that I, I am, you should probably do know, but you're, you know, I'm far from the only person that you've changed my life, you know, so I just really thank you for the work that you do. And, um, you know, it was a lot of, um, a lot of nights, uh, alone in my apartment in Astoria, listening to your podcast really opened things up for me. So I really, so cool. really, yeah, I really appreciate your work and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Well, you're going to come on Cosmic Cousins soon too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For what did we decide on? Is it the Aquarius new moon or something? I think we said the new moon. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be in a few months. So we'll continue this conversation then. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for having me with you today. I yeah. Thank, it. thank you so much. 
In Search of Tarot is independently written, recorded, edited, and transcribed by Nick Kepley and Angie Miller. You can follow Angie on Instagram at birdgirl underscore, that's B-I-R-D-G-E-R-H-L underscore. And you can follow me, Nick, on Instagram at In Search of Tarot. Have a question or a comment? Email us at isotpod at gmail.com. We also invite you to leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.